When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Yes, it's Friday. That means we're going <laughs> to tackle some more questions with answers. But before we do so, this has not been a good day for me. I'm kind of bummed. I awakened this morning at about 8 a.m., grabbed my iPhone, took a look at it, and there on the home screen is a notification from Bank of America. It says, uh, your debit card has been compromised, and somebody tried to take $1,000 out of a bank account. And I went, hmm. So I went to the thing, the form that it sent me to, and it said, is your wallet or is your card with you? And I went, it's my debit card. Of course it's with me. Of course it's with me. So I filled out all the stuff, and then I went to look for my wallet, and I went, why isn't my wallet here? And then I realized that the day before, my wife and I had gone to a car wash, and I paid them with the card, and then I set the card on the console, or set the wallet on the console in the car, and then we had a bunch of stuff from Costco, and we got had our hands full, we carried everything in, forgot the card. So overnight, somebody broke into the car and stole the wallet. And it just annoys me. It's not that it's such a horrible crime, but it just annoys me that there are people wandering around peeking into cars to steal stuff from them. So, yes, I did report it to the police. And, yes, I did have to go through the long and involved process of reporting all those cards as stolen and getting them replaced. And then I have to get a new driver's license and all of that. And it led me. And there's a point to all this. It led me to realize just how valuable, because the one thing I'm not likely to leave in the car is my phone. Wallet, you don't know it's not there. Phone, you just, after a while, you go, wait, why am I not getting any texts? Uh, just reminded me of the incredible value of these wallet apps like the Apple Wallet. Because you know what? My, even though my Apple card was stolen, it didn't have a number on it. And I assume they had a problem trying to use it. I don't know. It didn't come up. Uh, but to cancel the card didn't change my account with Apple. They'll just send me a new card because it doesn't really have a number on it. It's It randomly generates numbers. And I'm still able to use, like American Express sent me a note saying, go ahead, keep using your card on Apple Pay on, in your wallet because the new numbers, just we've just transferred it over and it works. And, you know, that's really cool. And, you know, they stole, like they stole the car registration. Why would you steal that? Because they were just grabbing everything. And if I had, if, if you could digitally keep your car registration, your wallet, stuff like that on your phone, and I know they're getting close to the uh, the driver's license thing, although Florida, you can put your driver's license in your wallet on your phone, but it, it, you still have to carry your driver's license. Well, then what's the point? You know, I got my insurance card on here, but wouldn't it be nice if the registration was here too? Uh, 
this is where technology can sometimes bail us out. It's kind of nice to find that a lot of my cards still function so I could still have a life until the cards get here because you know how important these things are. Well, welcome to the show. Wanted to share that with you, those thoughts. And uh, I'm going to answer some questions today because it's Friday and because we have lots of questions to answer. We get a lot of questions. Called in to 855-935-8255, typed in at TalkingRealMoney.com, and actually recorded via voice, your voice, of course, (laughs) at TalkingRealMoney.com. Oh, by the way, I'm Don McDonald, and here is our first question of the day. Hi, Don. This is Rosalind in Winter Park, Florida. I've been a listener and fan since the WDBO days. So glad I found your helpful podcast. We also love your lit reading podcast, too. When my husband and I started investing, a family friend put us in two American funds, mutual funds, CAIBX, American Capital Income Builder, and CWGIX, American Capital World Growth. We were young and trusted him to do the best for us. Many decades later, I'm semi-retired and have the time to review our portfolio and adjust it. I've heard enough of your comments on American funds to realize that I should be investing my money elsewhere. Could you kindly recommend alternative mutual funds or ETFs for the two American funds products I currently hold. Many thanks. Happy New Year and keep up the great word work. Well, Rosalind, I didn't know it, but I missed you too. And thanks for listening to both the podcasts, Talking Real Money and Lit Reading. I appreciate that. Uh, you didn't really get taken, okay? I, I don't want to make it sound like American funds are bad. They're not bad. They're just better things. And that's why when somebody sells you a loaded higher fee mutual fund like the American funds, they are usually not acting. Well, they're never acting in your best interest because there are better products available that cost less or comparably good products that cost less. So therefore, the person selling them can't be acting in your best interest. But you already paid the commission. That's done. Water under the bridge. You are paying the broker who sold it to you a trailer, which is why the fees are large. The capital income builder is about six-tenths of a percent, and the uh, world growth and income is about three-quarters of one percent per year, which for a mutual fund is on the higher side. But a quarter of that is uh, a 12B1 fee, which gets paid to the broker who sold it to you pretty much forever. So you're paying more than you should, but the funds aren't bad and you've done pretty well. The income builder is a globally diversified portfolio, more heavily weighted toward the U.S., but it has a sizable position in bonds and has a very high dividend yield of about 3% per year because of those bonds and the dividends from the stocks. The world growth and income is pretty much all stocks. And so its yield is much lower, but they're still dividend-paying stocks, and it's globally diversified. It's Neither are bad. I don't think they're bad. They're not bad. They're just not as good as they could be, and they're not as diversified as we believe you should be. For example, the Capital Income Builder has 275 stocks. 
the world growth and income has 330 stocks. And compare that to the Vanguard Total World Index Fund, VT, that fund has 9,230 stocks within it. Big difference. Much more diversification. And the Vanguard Fund costs 0.08%, not 0.76 or 0.60, but basically about a tenth of the cost of the world growth and income, which either means they can take less risk or, or more money is going to go to your bottom line. And the reality is the Vanguard fund has over the last decade performed better, but we don't know, you know, we don't know what the future is going to hold. Uh, but here's my issue. I would be remiss if I just said, go get VT and replace it with any kind of certainty, because I don't know what else you have in your portfolio. Now, VT would be a reasonable replacement, but it's not a great replacement for the capital income builder because that's more bonds. So you probably would need to throw a bond fund into the mix. And that's where this question of, and and this is what, this is the fault of the brokerage industry. I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but this is the fault of the brokerage industry. They have been product sellers for so long that they have gotten us used to being told which product to buy. And that's not the right way to invest. You shouldn't invest based on what is the right product. You should invest based on what is right for you and your overall portfolio, which is designed to meet your needs at a point in the future. That's what portfolios are for. They're not just to play the who's going to make the most money game. They're designed to provide for your needs in the future. So I don't know what you have elsewhere, which is why we think it's so important for people who have larger portfolios who really are getting into those complex times when they've got these 401ks and IRAs and this and that and the other thing to have a fee only fiduciary advisor. At least take a look at it, which is why we offer it to, you know, we offer everybody the chance to speak with one of our advisors for nothing without a sales pitch. We don't pitch we don't care we we do care but we don't we don't try to sell you stuff so if you want to do that go to vestry.com and just set up an appointment with one of our advisors they're nice um and thanks so much for listening but again vt is is probably a good semi-substitute for part of it the vanguard total world index 855-935-TALK that's our phone number 855-935-8255 and our next question comes via the phone I had to re-record that. I'm a UPS driver, so it's really noisy. Sorry. So I inherited my uh, late great aunt's estate. She's great, and she's late. So anyway, she's uh, it's about eighty thousand, nearly hundred thousand dollars worth of cash. So I put fifty in a Charles Schwab, but I hadn't allocated anything to it yet. I'm just it's just sitting there, ready to be like pointed in a direction. So, but uh, sorry, I've got to deliver all this consumerism, guys. Anyway, so. I save and then we maxed out my 401k. I like $18,000 nearly, but so this money, I don't have a clue for it. My wife wants to spend it. She already started remodeling her bathroom. Then she's talking about building the garage. That's why I got it out of there. So I don't know how I can help you help me, but please help me. All right. Anyway, thanks. Have a good day. Appreciate it. Now press pound. <laughs> no, you don't need to press pound. Okay. That was one of the funnier calls in a long time. <laughs> OK, 
okay, I'm going to try to help you because you deserve it. You deserve all the <laughs> help you can get. Uh, okay. All right. Shh. Don, stop. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your wife. Um, you know, she, she apparently wants to make the house nicer. And, and apparently you've let her do that to the tune of over 30 grand so far. Good for you. Keeping the spouse happy. 50,000. You're right. Lock it up. Keep it away. I mean, I don't know how old you are. I know you have about 18,000 in your 401k. Good start. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. You know, invest what you can. And now you've got a head start. You've got a head start. You are in such a great position to start building wealth. You sound relatively young. You didn't say, but you sound it even though the quality of the call was terrible. Um, (laughs) i got to stop laughing. Okay, anyway, getting serious now. Getting serious now. Um, If if this is money that you can confidently keep locked up, throw away the key in that Schwab account, and you, deep down inside, know you will not touch it until you get much closer to retirement or in retirement, well, then... As I told the previous caller, a fund like VT, an ETF like VT, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index, it's going to give you 9,300 companies. You're going to have a diverse portfolio. You're not going to have to worry about it. Just let it be because it's the economy of the world. And let it grow for the next couple of decades, which is what it sounds like you have, maybe more. But... Bear in mind, this is so critical. Someday, that fund will lose possibly 50% of its value. And you can't do a darn thing about it because you won't know it's going to happen in advance. You might think you know, but you never know. So you just have to sit tight. And bear in mind, because you're adding to a 401k and investing, that as the market goes down, that's okay because you're buying more at lower prices. It's actually a good thing. But I would get it invested. If you want to just get a feel for your risk tolerance, go to TalkingRealMoney.com and take our risk quiz. It'll give you a clue. Um, But you're wise to keep that out of the house and give yourself some diversification and some future. Because you're not going to always want to deliver for UPS. As fine a company as they are, uh, you're, you're going you're to want to retire or do something else. So, yeah, good. Glad you invested it. Thanks for the very, very funny call. I appreciate it. Uh, 855-935-TALK. That's our phone number. Or you can send questions in by your voice at TalkingRealMoney.com. And let's do another one of those to mix it up. Oh, I need the money. $3,000 for my grandma's surgery. She's very put situation. Wow. We're even getting scam calls at talkingrealmoney.com? <laughs> that was just a, that's just a, a blatant scam call. I, I wonder, is there any information how, as to how to contact that person? Let's see. Uh, no, I don't know how she thought we were going to give her the $3,000 for her grandmother's surgery. Uh, it is a Gmail account and, uh, hmm. 
That's funny. Oh, wait. No, we did get a typed question from somebody saying they um, they needed money for their grandmother's surgery. It's probably the same woman. Her name on here is Tatev. So, Eastern European? Guessing? Don't know. Pretty sure? About 99.9999999% sure that's a scam? And there you have it, folks. That's what one sounds like, if you didn't already know. Now let's go to uh, 855-935-TALK, that number where people call us and take another question that possibly isn't a scam. Hi, I recently retired. I'll be 66 next week. I'm single, widowed. Um, I have about $900,000 with Fisher um, because their rate of return is better than just about anybody's. And I have about a quarter million dollars in cryptocurrency in my own accounts and about $40,000 in a bank account. So I'm worried about inflation and I wonder um, what you think of where I am and uh, if I need to go back to work while I still can. Thank you. Well, there's a part of your portfolio that I think is absolutely horrible and potentially so incredibly dangerous that it could um it could cost you well more than a quarter of your portfolio's value in the form of a potentially permanent loss and that's the crypto you can lose everything in crypto can you lose everything in a fisher portfolio nah i can't imagine you could so in terms of safety, the Fisher portfolio is much better. So I wouldn't own any crypto in your portfolio at all. But if you were going to own some, that's a really huge percentage. I'm so happy you've done well with it. At least I hope you have. I don't know that you have because we didn't get enough information. All I know is that you're retiring on a um, little over a million bucks. Um, and about 20% of which is in an asset that isn't really an invested, an investable or investment asset. It's hot air. It's made up. Um, I wouldn't have any. As far as Fisher goes, well, how do you know they've outperformed? Do you really know that? Because I've never been able to find an actual figure on how anybody's Fisher portfolio has done when compared to a comparable etf portfolio outside of fisher i do know that in the past ken did have his own mutual funds and he closed those down because the performance was so bad that uh it was going to hurt his his investment advisory business so i don't know what fisher's returns are what i and and by the way you can't really shop returns somebody can have great returns for a year two three five maybe even ten and yet in a world where there are hundreds of thousands of investment professionals, a million or more, millions, uh, you're always going to have some people who have streaks of luck. So we don't believe in shopping performance. We think that is a foolish, foolish, foolish thing to do. We think you need to build the right portfolio for you, for your risk tolerance, for your future needs. You need to have somebody who can look at your portfolio and say, Okay, sir, this is going to meet your needs for the rest of your life if you do this and you take this much risk. That's what a good advisor should do. A good advisor shouldn't say, I'm going to make you more than the other guy. Because 
How do they know that? Are they claiming to know the future? Yeah, I guess guys like Fisher do kind of claim to know the future, but they don't. They don't. Um, and the headwind you run into is that his fees are above what we think a fiduciary advisor's fees should be. And that is, uh, we think they should be no higher than mm, right at 1%. And he's at one and a quarter on the first million. And then on the next million, he's only 1.12 or one and an eighth percent. So he charges a lot and they don't build portfolios of uh, as diversified as we think you should have. They do a lot of individual stock and bond picking. So um, would I personally put my money with Fisher? Not on a bet. Not at all. I would never do it. I uh, if if I was going with another firm, I can tell you the names of several dozen fee only advisory firms who invest the way I think you ought to invest and who act as one hundred percent fiduciaries. Fisher does too. They're one hundred percent fiduciary. Not saying they're not. They are. I just think their fees are too high, and I don't like the way they manage money. But I can tell you a lot of people who would. Matter of fact, you want some names? Go to talkingrealmoney.com. We have a few listed there. Or uh, I'm going to do a video soon on how to read ADVs so you can start vetting advisors in your neighborhood thanks for the call i do appreciate it and let's go back to another one that came in through talkingrealmoney.com hi tom and don um i'm a faithful listener and adherent to the real money philosophy and try to um have my financial life in order as best I can. I'm in my early 70s and my husband is in his late 70s and we have our wills are all done and powers of attorney and advanced directives and all that. Um, we do have one house, which is our only real estate, and it is paid off. We have no mortgage. I read in an article that people should put their houses or their real estate, I guess, in a trust because they said that if you have long-term health expenses that can't be paid by your own insurance, Medicaid steps in. And when you die, Medicaid will uh, try to get reimbursed from your estate. I'm not sure that that situation would ever occur for us. We have Medicare. My husband's retired. I'm kind of retired. I still have a small business that I continue to uh, operate very um, casually, shall we say. Um, but I don't want to get a trust unless I have to. I feel like we have everything pretty much in order. But this article has got me concerned. Again, we just have two heirs. Every, but both of my kids are, uh, you know, grown with their own children, and it's just divided equally between the two kids. No complicated uh, inheritance issues. Anyway, I'd love to get your um, thoughts on this and i very much appreciate your wisdom and your advice yours is a question that used to come up a lot 
in my early years of doing Money Talk Radio. It doesn't come up as much because it has become increasingly difficult, matter of fact, right on the verge of impossible, to protect assets from the uh, from from Medicaid, from being used before Medicaid will pay for long-term care. They got longer look-back periods. I think uh, in the case of a trust, we're looking at five-year look-back. So if you establish an irrevocable trust, which is the only way to protect the principal from being tapped by Medicaid for your long-term care, an irrevocable trust, you still have a five-year look-back before that money is protected. So that would put your husband into his 80s and you in your late 70s. If you have other means by which to pay for your long-term care or you've got some other plan, that's then you don't need it. But here's the other issue, though, that I, I, that really bothers me. And it bothers me at a, uh, at a more visceral level. It almost feels dishonest, really, because... And it's often people who would say, I don't want the government. I don't want any of the government's help. I don't want any help from the government. But then they're going, yeah, but don't use my money to pay for my long-term care. I want the government to pay for that. Uh, it's, it's hypocritical, certainly. <laughs> it's certainly hypocritical. Uh, but Medicaid is supposed to be there as a last resort for people who do not have the means by which to take care of themselves so they're not forced to die in the cold on the streets. And therefore, you know, I still to this day feel guilty from having for having an author on my show back when I had guests when I was doing this for Business Radio Network who who was a huge advocate of doing anything you can to keep the government from getting your money and you living on the dole for the rest of your life. Um, yeah, you can do it. You can. You can protect your asset, your principal. You can't protect the income from it if it's coming to you, but you can protect the principal. But uh, you would really need a great elder law attorney to make all this happen. And there are a, a number of caveats that they can share with you. But the biggest one I want to share, and I'm, I can tell you personally, I will not do it. I would rather spend down my assets for my care. It's not that important to me, nor should it be to anyone, that your children somehow inherit the kingdom. You know, it's not like you're a little monarch. Um, but that's my opinion. I just I feel like it's wrong. I just feel like it's flat out wrong. Uh, yeah, it's there if you're out of money. If you tap and you you get one or the two of you get sick and you're in a nursing home for many many years and you run out of money, uh, that it's there for you. But uh, I'm just uncomfortable. There you go. There you have it. That's my opinion. Uh, let's go back to another call that came in at eight five five nine three five talk. Hi guys, this is Bob from Alabama. Um, in the weeds question. I'm blessed. I've got a uh, pension, 457, Roth IRA, etc. But I've opened an investment account with Vanguard based on information I get from you and Paul Merriman. It's uh, six index funds uh, worldwide. 
I've built it. And I've had to build it with a set dollar amount every month is what I had left over and could put in. And now that I've finally got it all fleshed out, basically dollar cost averaging in and building this fund, you know, half contribution going into existing funds, the other half I saved so I could build the next one. After that, it was whichever one's up the most or down the least is how I, down the most or up the least, excuse me, is how I picked the funds. Now that I've got it fleshed out, just for efficiency's sake, I don't expect to need this money. I expect this to go to my heirs. And I am 57 years old. Where do I put each dollar, the monthly contribution next? Is there, what, how do you as managers pick out which fund you put a client's money in? You know, if they do this, you know, come in every month and toss you a check. Love the show, guys. Thanks for the information. Well, Bob, you may have thought this question was in the weeds, but it really isn't because you were doing it right. You were doing it the way we would do it. It's we we use ongoing contributions as a way to dollar cost average to save having to sell assets at some point during the year when you do a full rebalance. It keeps the portfolio in the proper balance, which means you do like you did. Buy your losers and wait on the winners. And then when it's time to rebalance, you won't have as many winners to sell because you will have been buying losers along the way and your losers will have had a little more money. So you're doing this. It's a natural means of rebalancing. So we're not going to try and pick the right thing. We never try and pick the right thing because we know that is a fool's game. It is really dumb. I just don't know how anybody has the the, the, the ego, the incredible ego, the, the, the ridiculous confidence to believe they're one of the few people on the planet who can actually predict the future well if there was ever an example of overconfidence that's it nobody can predict the future so do what you were doing get new money coming in it's going into your portfolio put it into the things that have been performing the worst over the previous period the ones that are that are down the most or up the least thanks for the call i appreciate it and i think we're gonna have to call it one call it one what i don't know <laughs> call it a podcast okay maybe if you define it loosely we can call it a podcast thanks so much for listening remember over the weekend we'll have a couple of uh, old archived shows available as podcasts and uh, on saturdays tom and i take your questions live on como radio and then we turn that into a podcast next week at 855-935-TALK same number you can use it live on saturdays from three to five to call the show and by the way for those of you who left a bunch of voice messages last saturday when we asked the jeopardy question that was in monday's podcast we were live it's just that so many people called the phone lines at como were overwhelmed they were jammed and when they get jammed it rolls over to the voicemail which doesn't get checked until the next week so thank you all for guessing but we already had an answer and we had just tons of people calling in well thanks for being there take good care of yourselves i really appreciate you if you like what you hear leave a review at apple podcasts you can also now rate us you can't leave a review but you can rate the show at spotify they have a rating now Although not many of you listen at Spotify. I figure out how to get more Spotify listeners. Uh, what else do I want to add? Oh, um, yeah. And if you if you like listening to the show, it really, really helps. 
if you subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast service, particularly, again, Apple Podcasts. All right, there we have it. Thanks for being there. Of course, we'll talk to you really soon because we do shows every day where Tom and I sit around talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?